Welcome to Bills by the Numbers, presented by FanDuel. Make every moment more. We're here at the NFL Combine this week, and we've got lots of ground to cover. Our NFL teams gravitating to only the premium positions in round one of the draft. We investigate, chat with NFL Network Cynthia Freeland about what combine testing benchmarks tell NFL personnel execs about this year's class. And our one burning question asks, what is Buffalo's best option for backup QB. Did someone swipe my track shoes for the 40? Glad you can make it in with us here on Bills by the Numbers, presented by FanDuel, an official partner of the Buffalo Bills. Bills Wall of Famer Steve Tasker loosening up here. Bills insider Chris Brown with you. And Steve, the NFL Combine is the epicenter of the NFL this week. And with the advent of analytics, we see more and more NFL clubs leaning toward the premium positions in rounds one and two in the NFL draft. Quarterback, pass rusher, offensive tackle, cornerback, maybe to a slightly lesser extent wide receiver, are those positions. Taking quarterbacks high is obvious. It's the most important position in the sport. And if you can land an elite prospect, obviously you have a lot of upside. It's a no-brainer and doesn't need to be explained. But what do you feel are the biggest reasons why more and more teams are choosing prospects at those premium spots? Well, because it's a throwing league. It all boils down to that. And it comes down to and and the one, the other position you didn't mention, uh, maybe you did, uh, left tackle. Yes, offensive right, tackle. Offensive tackle. Yeah. Those guys, it's all about throwing the football, and you've got to be able to do that and do it well. The, and you've got to combat everybody else who's taking those positions as well. Mm-hmm. If they've got good corners, you've got to have good wideouts. If they've got good offensive tackles, you need good edge rushers. Uh, it's a throwing league. The Bills are living proof of it. The Chiefs are living proof of it. The Chargers, the, Brown, the uh, Bengals. You go down the list. It's a throwing league. And the key positions when you throw the football are the pass rushers, pass catchers, and pass protectors. And, of course, the quarterback. Yeah, and the pass coverers, the corners, too. Yeah, the corners. And, you know, this, and because of what you stated, the finances of this league have revealed that those are premium positions in terms of dollars and cents. Right. And for GMs in this league, you know, we talked to Chargers GM Tom Telesco on our daily show, One Bills Live, this week. Those are the guys you want cost control on as long as possible. You, you draft one of those guys in the first round, you have an option to control their rights for five years instead of just four. Right. right. And you get that extra year of keeping that player on your roster on a rookie contract conceivably because if you have to go out in free agency and fill holes at offensive tackle, cornerback, quarterback, you know, right or pass rusher, you are paying gigantic yeah. money, and that cripples you on yeah. your cap. It's a, it's a juggling act, because think about it. it. Like, for instance, the Bills, they've got one elite corner in Tredavious White, and they're paying him a ton of money, but it's hard to get two of those guys, because if you get two of them, then you have to rob Peter to pay Paul. Now you're, you're compromised at your safety position. You can't pay a top-flight safety. you got some guy off the street playing safety or nickelback. Dolphins or, are in that position exactly. with two corners. Like uh, that. So if you're going to do that, fine. But if you can do that, you can get two great corners if, for instance, the, by the sheer timing of it, you hit big on a couple of rookie safeties or a rookie nickelback or a rookie defensive end yeah. who can rush the passer. 
if you can balance it that way and the, and the big money positions we're talking about, you can combine that with a couple of elite prospects or elite guys who you're paying like elite guys, who are playing and producing like elite guys, and you can sprinkle in draft pick hits whether you've got guys on their rookie contract who are playing at a high level, yeah, okay, that's the, that's the balance you're trying to strike. But, man, to time all that up, because, okay, you got two good corners. Yeah. Now you, you can't draft another DB now. You've, you've got some problems at other positions. We've got to use those picks on that wide receiver, at tight end, at running back, at quarterback, or whatever, yeah. a guard, at interior offensive line. The timing doesn't work up to have those elite players and still be able to get one of those guys in the draft because you've got other needs. So it's a juggling act. There's a lot of balls to keep in the air. And only when it, you know, when the draft order and the prospects fall perfectly for you can you make that happen, unless you get one of those guys in the fifth round that turns into a home run. Right. And I think if you look at the Bills and what they've done during the McDermott-Bean regime, they've done pretty well at targeting those elite positions in rounds one and two right. over the five drafts that they had. Bean has only had four. He came after that first draft class that McDermott did with the previous GM, Doug Whaley. Right. But taking a look at the numbers, as we are wont to do here on this program, the Bills during the McDermott-Bean regime, and we are including the 2017 draft since McDermott was on board for that one, Buffalo's premium position drafting in round one and round two looks like this. Premium positions. Quarterback, they've drafted one. Obviously, Josh Allen in 2018, round one. Offensive tackle, they drafted one in 2017, round two, Deion Dawkins. Cornerback, they drafted one in 2017, round one, Tredavious White. Defensive end, three. A.J. Epinesa, round two, 2020. Boogie Basham, round two last year. Greg Rousseau, round one last year. And wide receiver, if you want to throw that into the mix, one. Zay Jones, round two, 2017. What do you make of that rundown and the Bills' ability to successfully target the premium positions to have bona fide starters in their lineup? Well, they got a bona fide starters at four of those positions. Josh Allen, Deion Dawkins, Tredavious White, and Greg Rousseau, who played a bulk of the snaps, even though they rotate those guys through. He turned down to be a really a three-down defensive end. Uh, I think for a lot of people, it's surprisingly three-down defensive end. Uh, and then you go on A.J. Epineza, Boogie Basham, uh, and Zay Jones was probably the only guy in there that's like, ah, okay. But you also go down in the 2017 draft. They got Matt Milano. They got All right. Taron Johnson. Taron Johnson was 2018, but 2018. yes. So they got some guys in the later rounds that also bolstered that, that draft capital um, and are playing at a high level on rookie contracts. That gives you the freedom to pay Deion Dawkins and Tredavious White and Josh Allen the guys that you hit on at the premium positions because you got these other guys that, that hit it big uh, as later round draft, draft picks. So it, it's, once again, getting it right in the draft, there is nothing that fixes your team faster. Right. And gives you more stability. And you touched on it already. A majority of Buffalo starters at those so-called premium positions have come in the first or second round, as we outlined. They have been able, as you pointed out, to mine for premium position talent later on in the draft as well. So, offensive tackle, cornerback, um, pass rusher, are there any that come to mind in some of their recent drafts later in the draft? I mean, you mentioned one already, Taron Johnson. Would that be your pick for quality value at a premium, premium position? 
premium position, yeah, because then you think about Milano as he's there. But that's, you know, it's an inside cover linebacker, and, and those guys are not as, yeah. you know, prevalent or prominent in defensive schemes. Although, you know, who would, you know, don't we all love Matt Milano? Um, yeah, Dane Jackson's another one. Yep. Who en- entered. In- Spencer into- Brown round three. Spencer Brown is a great one. Uh, those guys being able to come in and do what they've done and be starters. And I know we've had our go-rounds and conversations about the number one defense in the NFL last year, which was the Buffalo Bills, in ten different categories. Probably as unspectacular a number one defense as you'll see, but solid and and rock steady. Um, I think that is as being able to, as like a guy like Dane Jackson coming in off the bench, losing Tre'Davious White, a premium player, an elite player, and still maintaining that from didn't Thanksgiving lose on, a whole lot. The production didn't drop off all that much. That says something about the quality of their ability to pick these guys and find them, uh, find them with the traits they like, and use them the right way. I mean, that's and that's as much a tribute to the coaching staff as it is the talented players, because I think this coaching staff has a real ability to see what their players do well and say, "Just do that," and we're not going to ask you to do something else. You know, they give them the ability and the opportunity to do what they do best. And don't ask them to branch off into areas where they're not as good. Yeah. I mean, but I think it does limit you sometimes schematically. Yes. But still, you're playing at a high level all the time. But premium positions, you know, they hit on the quarterback, as we said. But later rounds, yes. Taron Johnson, a fourth-round draft choice. One of the best nickel corners in the the league. Right. And then even Levi Wallace, an undrafted guy, has been a three- or four-year starter here in Buffalo. That guy wasn't even drafted. So the Bills' ability to even hit on premium positions late in the draft or even outside the draft is part of the reason why they're one of the most complete rosters in football. We take premium position drafting right into this week's number game, numbers game where we test Steve on his round one draft memory. Oof. Steve, are you ready? I'm ready. Go. Question number one. Can you name the last non-quarterback to go first overall in the draft. So it was Trevor Lawrence last year. It was Joe Burrow the year before. Was it Chase Young? Chase Young went second in the draft. Hold on. But you're on the right track, position-wise. Uh, they're giving me the buzzer back in the studio. <laughs> they are giving you the buzzer. All right. Uh, <laughs> the cop, I broke my concentration. Uh, who was the guy before Chase Young, the pass rusher? Who was it? I got, you got the position right. You're going to hate yourself. Ch- it was the guy from uh, Cleveland. Uh, yes, yes, yes. You're right Chubb. there. Not Chubb. It was, what's his name? What was his name? What's his name? <laughs> the guy, the pass rusher from the ba- the pass rusher from Cleveland. Yes. Uh, Got into a helmet-swinging incident yeah, with Mason Rudolph. Uh, yeah, I know. It's right there. It's right there. <laughs> His initials are MG. Still not clicking. I, I, Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett. There you go. 2017. I hate myself. Que- <laughs> Question number two. I, the- people, I, I think people must enjoy my discomfort. Oh, they love I watching guess. you struggle. I Question number two: In the last, ah! in the last twenty NFL drafts dating back to two thousand two, how many first overall picks do you think were quarterbacks? Twenty drafts. Twenty. Give me a number in terms of how many quarterbacks went first overall in that span. 
Mayfield, Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow. Going back a long way. Yes. So I understand we're we're going into so the, out of the twenty. Twenty drafts. How many first overall picks were quarterbacks over I'll those? I'll say 20? it's over half. I'll say like twelve. That's not a bad guess, but it's incorrect. It's fifteen. Wow. Yeah. Fifteen. Yeah. That's even. That's more than I thought. I was kind of where when I said, "Yeah, let me look that up." I guessed, right. and I said eleven. So right. I was right where you were. Right. But it's yeah. more than that. It's Man. fifteen. Fifteen. Question number three. Since 1982, Steve, only seven defensive ends have been drafted first overall. I'm going to see if you can name five of them. Of the seven? Five of the seven since 1982. There's a couple in there that are gimmies, including a former teammate of yours. Bruce. Okay, so Bruce is one, correct? And Miles Garrett we just talked about. Miles Garrett is two. Use the test to take the test. Good job, Steve. Um... I'll give you a hint. Another one also played for the Bills, although he was not drafted by them. Number one overall pick. Number one overall pick. Oh, defensive. Mario. Mario Williams. Williams, correct. 2006 to Houston. You got three. You only need right. two more here. Then let's go. There was another guy that you played against, and he played for a team that used to be in the AFC East. Steve Entman. Steve Entman. Yes, Steve. Indianapolis, 1992. Well I'm done. I'm proud of that one. <laughs> write that one on the right. Write that, Steve put that on, on the, the whiteboard. whiteboard. Yeah. That's four. You need one more. And your best bet is to probably go more recent. Right. And this guy played with Miles Garrett in Cleveland oh. last year. There you go. Well done, Steve. Five out two? of seven. Who are the other Jadavian two? Clowney, 2014, Houston. The other one was an old-timer, 1982, Kenneth Sims, New oh, England. I wouldn't have got that. Yeah, I wouldn't have gotten it either. And then the other one, totally forgotten man, big swing and a miss by Cleveland, Courtney Brown in 2000. Who's he? What's he? Yeah, Courtney, Courtney Brown. Brown. I would not have gotten Gigantic that miss. Wow, that's too bad. Question number four. Right. Only three wide receivers have ever been the first pick in the NFL draft. Can you name them? Calvin Johnson. No. What? That's a miss by would, everybody. I think he was the second overall pick, right. if I remember. Not Calvin right. Johnson. Wow, that was my big <laughs> ace in the hole right there. <laughs> One, you know very well, he played in your era. And you would be mad if you did not get it. And I'll give you the year. 1984 draft. Number one pick. Really? That was the year. No, 84 wasn't. Oh, yeah, okay. 84. 84. The year before Bruce. Yes. Number one pick in the draft. And he went to a team in the AFC East. Wide receiver. Um, it's not like Altoon or something. It's like not Altoon, no. Although they're... they're, they're oh, re- Irving Fryer. Irving Fryer, correct. Very good job, Steve. Way to get to the deeper recesses of I, the cerebral cortex. I nice job. Him. I tackled him one time. You did tackle him one time. Okay, good. Um, uh, the other guy... Is not Al Toon, but he was drafted by that franchise. It's the other guy that was with Al, right? The other guy. I love this. 
Moore? No, it's not Rob Moore. Rob Moore. He was not the first pick in the draft. Nice. Certainly wasn't Wayne Corbett. It was not Wayne Corbett, <laughs> but he played in the 90s and the early 2000s. For the Jets? Yes. Oh, Keyshawn. Keyshawn Johnson, correct. This last he was one. one overall? Yes, first overall. Good for him. That's the Jets. Um, <laughs> it's very Jetsy and move. 1996. The last guy I don't think you're going to get since he was drafted in 1964. San Francisco 49ers. Wait. You want to take a swing at it? No. Okay, Dave Parks. Yeah. yeah. That was not on my Final question, Steve. Number five. Since 2002, which NFL club has had the most number one overall picks? Since 2002, the franchise with the most number one picks? Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati had two in the last 20 years. They are not the answer. They were in second place. Give me. This team had three in the last 20 years. They picked one overall. 20 years, so 2002. So Basically, Cleveland. Since Cleveland is also tied for second place with two. This team had three since 2002. Three picks, number one overall. Jacksonville. Not Jacksonville, but you're on the right track. Houston. Houston Texans. Good job, Steve. The Houston Texans had three number one overall picks. Yes. So that is the numbers game. Wow. And Steve, I I I, I kind of put you through the ringer a little yeah, bit on that one. Those were those were tough, and I don't blame you. So nice job in the numbers game there. A reminder that right now new customers can get their first bet risk-free up to one thousand dollars. Just sign up today by going to sportsbook.fanduel.com or by downloading the FanDuel Sportsbook app. FanDuel Sportsbook, an official partner of the Buffalo Bills. We turn now to an interesting conversation with NFL Network's analytics contributor, Cynthia Freeland, who recently put together a piece on what to watch for during NFL combine testing. Here is Cynthia. Okay, so let's begin here, Cynthia. You know, you had your four things to look for here at the combine on NFL.com recently. And the one that piqued my interest the most was, and this is how fine people are cutting it now, you're talking about hip height while in action for offensive linemen. My question is, how the hell are you mapping that to determine whether a, a, an offensive lineman kept their hip height within three and a quarter inches of where it's supposed to be throughout the play? I'm going to tell you, our camera crew has done the 40 the same way for years, which is okay. great for me because I can take computer vision. And this is why when I was in grad school, I was like, I got to measure something that's like interesting and useful but it can't be about quarterbacks because there's so much nuance yeah. to quarterbacks. I'm not uh, – give me away from that, right? So let me do something that no one wants to touch. And I was talking to Russ Grimm, who's like a legendary O-lineman, yeah, yeah. and he's like, there's nothing you guys in analytics can do that can ever help me with anything. And I'm like, the heck there's There's not, a challenge. Right? And I was like, okay. So And I'm like, well, what, what's a problem you have? He's like, tell me who a waste bender is before they get on the field. And I was like, okay. And so I spent a lot of time with computer mapping gigantic men's booties. It was right. it was a lot and <laughs> yeah. knees and, and ankles and th- which way their which way their backs were you know right. body moving. lean yeah, yeah exactly so what I then realized is if I looked at the first ten split of those big old men's forties not for the time right but the first ten split. And if they can keep their hips within, it's it's a function of their height. So, uh, right. you know, they're all pretty tall. So it has to be, like, within a very small range. If they can keep it within about three and a half inches, then they end up not being waist Because you know they can sit in pass protection. And, by the way, 
if your O lineman's running 40 yards, I don't care where his hips yeah. are at the end of that because yeah. like everything well, has gone awry. Cynthia, you're a goner. But that hip height. Come on. Okay. So, but that's mo but that's motor yeah, mechanics, yeah, I Steve. It. I mean, that yeah. speaks to motor mechanics. You rolling also had, your hips into right. the block. <laughs> you also went down, and we were laughing before we came on about you know the parameters that teeps say. Well, he's our prototypical yep. size. That yep. and what and what they don't people don't get at, at home, and you know I. I don't not only get, I don't really care, but <laughs> it's the parameters that each team, and it could vary between each each mm-hmm. uh, franchise. Yep. Um, you know, there's a range between what the ideal height yep. is for a wide receiver, and not only a wide receiver, but a slot guy as opposed to an outside guy, a corner as opposed to a safety, and, and de- tack, all that stuff. And yep. they've got parameters yep. that are that are like five or six different statistics, and it's all measurements and height and weight. But it means something to these clubs. So. Really, the whole value of the combine, and I, maybe I shouldn't be saying this because the league no, won't like it. No, we've said it. We've said it. But is to you're kind of it's kind of the same thing. Like when you apply to college, like you got to take the SAT, you got to do the application, you got to write the essay. But on some level, like your body of work already speaks for itself. So as long as right. you're staying within ranges, then you're not giving a team a second chance to go back and be like, what's wrong? He ran a four, a five, three right. 40. Like right. that's terrible. <laughs> right. So you got to fall within the ranges to show that you can kind of do the process, right? Like do, yeah. do, get the job. It's the, a job interview. Do it. Yeah. And the specifics of what they're looking for in each position is really amazing to me And it. But there's always, you know, the outlier yep. that kind of squeezes through and, yep. it's, and it's John Randall who goes to the you know goes well, to the Hall of Fame kind of guy but well here's the difference you need to know if what you're looking at is kind of normal or not so the ranges that I give have been players so I did it backwards I took players who were that Great. coaches and and I we sat down mm-hmm. who's elite it's very hard to find elite who's above average who's average who's below average who's well below average we have five buckets right so and 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 you gotta you gotta figure out who goes in each one then I map their resumes backwards who were they? What were the numbers we saw? What did we see from their college resumes? You are resumes? a goner. I know. There's a lot. <laughs> well, she's a, a self-proclaimed geek. So oh, I, uh, I'm not. Okay. I, listen, so. if I were trying to, like, make sure you thought I was cool, you know, like, oh, sitting I know, here, I like, it. I, no. I would be, no, I'd be the worst. But yeah, you're cool. I just, no, I just, I'm definitely not. Tell me. <laughs> no. Yeah, okay, so you, you map it backwards. Map, and, and that just happens to be the guys who ended up be, uh, being above average or elite. The ranges that you find are what they happen to be. Right. Now, the cool part is if you look over time, teams are getting faster and actually right. certain positions are getting smaller linebackers are getting yeah. shorter yeah. and then if you look to see safeties are actually getting faster but corners are staying the same and it just shows you how the evolution of the game maps to maps to what's going on it's 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 less you know there's there's no like oh you're not in my range you are six foot three and three and you're too tall no right. it's not that it's it's showing you who has been successful so now we see this is the supply of new players this is who's going to be on the field for the next however many years and so once we see supply that will determine what the product on the field is. with that in mind there has been a bounty of supply at the wide receiver position every year now it is Mm -hmm. fast becoming Mm -hmm. you know almost too much of a supply and yet there are two very different types that you pointed out there's going to be under six feet and above six feet yep but there is so much and it doesn't seem like, as you pointed out, linebackers are getting shorter. It doesn't seem like these NFL teams have a problem finding a place on their roster right. for a shorter receiver, a place on their roster for a bigger receiver. Why is it so 
why is there diversity, equity, and inclusion at wide receiver as yeah. opposed to some of these other positions <laughs> right. where it's getting very specific? Because in college, the film that's being put out, they're using a lot of more, like, oh, wow, that was terrible English, a lot more different looks, the alignments, right. the different use cases for receivers. In the past, I asked Michael Irvin, and he told me he never caught a pass at or behind the line of scrimmage, and I didn't believe him, and then I went back to all his film. He didn't catch a pass at or behind the line of scrimmage. Right, yeah. Everyone's being used differently now. Debo Samuel is a completely different Swiss Army knife-style tool that wasn't just wasn't available because right. colleges are doing things differently because college O-lines are being played different. College defense is being played differently. So there's on this film that like, it makes coaches, especially offensive coaches, like, I'm pretty excited. I can use this in a different way and trick the defense. Defenses will adapt, and they have. Two, high, two, two safety shells have become more and more important, right, because of the way that these offensive – like Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes, look at their different their, their stat difference between one safety or two safety shells. Like the single high – you don't play them in single high. You just don't. You don't yeah. blitz them and you don't play right. And that's be a function of what's coming out of college. It's just like if you have a, pu a bunch of people, what's your – it's the supply. This is what the supply is. We need to make it work with what we have on the field. So in all this analytical stuff you've done about the parameters of guys within these parameters have yeah. been great and elite. And, yeah. And which one has the biggest disparity? Like, who? What position has been a guy who's like five nine, buck eighty, and also a six five two six? You know what I mean? Linebackers are totally changing. Really, linebackers. There's coverage linebackers now. There's guys who are expected to play basically like safety safety roles that in the past, and sometimes they even have to play nickel. Right. Like, it, 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 the re, what's being asked of them has been so diverse that it's really changing that position quite substantially. It's also a function of more pass-catching tight ends, more tight ends that are used in multiple schemes, more of these different wide receivers. So linebacker has had to really adapt. Same right. with safety, safety-ish, linebacker-ish. You know, like you're going to see, you know, uh, Isaiah Simmons, who came out of Clemson right. years of late, plays for the Cardinals yeah. now. And he was his first year was rough. This second right. year, he played significantly better. He and Buda Baker are now kind of like the new, how does a safety line, how does a defensive back, let's call him that, and linebacker work together because Simmons is technically a linebacker and Buda Baker is a safety-ish, sometimes he, was, he plays yeah. corner. And how do you hybrid this? Because you got to stop these tight ends. Like Dawson Knox is a, is a problem for tons of teams. Well, and that speaks to the next challenge, I think, for coaches, GMs, personnel evaluators yep. because – we hear this term gaining more and more traction, positionless right. football, particularly on the defensive side. I don't know how much it's going to really manifest itself. I think basically they give that to players where they don't know where to line them up. And so they say, well, we're going to positionless football. He's a hybrid. So, you know, he can do a bunch of things. <laughs> and then sometimes the teams don't know where to put somebody permanently. Yep. And then that player is kind of left out in no man's land yep. because now they're responsible for learning two, three different roles. Yep. And sometimes that's not fair to the player. Right. and what they can mentally handle. Do we, do we worry about positionless football as it applies to some of those numbers that you put in those positional categories because they don't fit necessarily one or even two. They, maybe they fit three, and how do you gauge that it's with the numbers question. you're talking about? It's a great question because there are some people who the positionless tag is worth it. Troy Polamalu is one of them, mm -hmm. and it is worth figuring it out because this is an elite player, and you can't go around. Fi you can't find Josh Allen in every draft class. Right. You just can't. Yeah. So sixty-two you, miles per hour ball velocity right. <laughs> on both uh, in both directions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, like you don't get that with both. You either get it one or the other. If if you even get it at all. So p point being is. 
it is worth it for these top end players. If you're starting to make your all of these these guys who are role players, and I, I it's not used in the pejorative. That's it's still a great job. You know, if you're trying to do that for all of them, you are wasting your time because you'll just confuse everyone. But there are some players who are special enough that it is worth right. it because your value of finding those elite players that they just don't happen right. very often, right? Yeah. That's why they're elite. So I would say it is worth it for those guys, but it is not worth it for a guy who plays 40% of snaps. Yeah. Cynthia, thanks for stopping yeah. by. Appreciate it. No, you're busy. Yeah, I Thank mean, look, I, I have to come because I, Brandon, I know he's, I know I he's Yes. Make Hello. your pitch. Come on. The corners, I know you have nothing lines. else to do. There's no right. free agency draft. No, no, no. You get this done first. Priorities, right. my friends. Brandon <laughs> Beans, yeah, we need to have Cynthia Freeland back on the sidelines for preseason this year. Let's go. <laughs> go. Thanks very much. Thank Thanks. You. Appreciate yeah. the time as always. Time now for our one burning question, and this question deals with Buffalo's backup quarterback position. At this moment, Buffalo has just one quarterback under contract, Josh Allen. Mitchell Trubisky is set to become a free agent. Davis Webb was signed away by the Giants last month, as you know, Steve, and Jake Fromm was lost to the Giants last fall when he got signed off Buffalo's practice squad. What is your best-case scenario for filling Buffalo's backup quarterback position? two things there's two qualifications for it and none of them have to do with how the guy plays one is experience okay and theoretically and i think best case scenario is experience with different teams like been down the list with a couple of different teams at least second one is maybe past experience as a starter hasn't always been a backup but has had some spots where he started and and stuff. Guys like Ryan Fitzpatrick, guys like uh, Andy Dalton, yep, uh, like that of that ilk. Those guys are perfect. Uh, even a guy like a, a Marcus Mariota, who's been in the league, started for a minute now, and, and been had the role of a backup in Vegas. Yeah, uh, guys like that, I love. Um, Josh McCown type guys. Uh, he's retired, but that's the kind of guy we're looking at. Guys who have been in the league a lot preferably had some starting experience like for a season or two at least right maybe for longer than that and also have been a backup as well uh, but having experience with different coaching staffs and different offensive schemes as a quarterback having a chance to start for extended periods for different for, even for different organizations or at least for one organization right and and also maybe knowing that at this point they're going to be the backup right all of those three things are, are what we're looking for. And you can fill in the blank with whatever guy out there there is. And certainly he's got to be a good teammate and have all of those qualities. But a guy who fits those other qualities I just mentioned is almost a foregone conclusion that those other things are there. You mentioned the top two guys that I would like to see in here, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Andy Dalton. I think those two guys would be perfect fits. I think Dalton's still got some, probably got more good football left in him. Correct. Um, but Fitz is a gamer and super yeah. intellegent, can really help. And here's the Josh kind of dice up film and things like that. Let's not let's not fool ourselves. If the backup quarterback in Buffalo has to play for an extended amount of time, the expectations are low for the team. You're taking you're taking a, a chunk of the percentage of production of offense off the top if Josh is hurt. Right. So you're not expecting to go to and win the Super Bowl with your backup quarterback. That's it. So just get used to that. What you need is a guy that's going to help Josh play his best. Yeah. That's the bottom line. You don't care if the guy can play. I seriously believe it. You, you hope he can finish a game. That's it. But if you, if you lose Josh, you can just flush it all. You just need a guy that can take snap. I mean, nobody cares. 
certainly uh, people you'll will some, care. You'll you'll still win some games with whoever it is, but it's not going to be the same, and the expectations get thrown down the well, garbage that's, disposal. That's why I found it interesting when Brandon Bean did say this week here on our sh- on our daily show, One Bills Live, that the style of Josh's play <clears throat> mandates that they find a backup quarterback who's capable of doing more than just taking snaps. He's got to be capable of a little bit more. I think Andy Dalton, Fitzpatrick, fits that bill. And what's also going to be interesting, too, is I'm wondering if where and for how much Mitchell Trubisky signs for in free agency will compel maybe a better quality of backup quarterback to want to come sign in Buffalo and say, hey, maybe I can go there and maximize my value as a backup and maybe get another opportunity somewhere else. I, yeah. I don't envision that necessarily with guys like Dalton and Fitzpatrick who are on the backside of their careers clearly. But if you can get one of those two guys, I think you're in pretty good shape if Josh has to miss a game or Let's two because it, of an injury. If you've got a guy, a guy that plays like Josh, okay, but they're not going to have the same skill set or the arm that Josh does. Um, a guy that plays that same style, okay, you need a strong arm guy and all that. But the guys with the traits we're starting to talk about, are competing to see starters in other places, you yeah. know? They're hard to find. Plus, they don't have the experience. They don't have the, you know, all of that stuff that's going on. Um, certainly, there's some probably some names on the quarterback rosters around the National Football League just in or just out of the league who are probably not on our radar mm-hmm. because, uh, like I said, I mean, the Bills were so good at that spot last year with Josh and Trubisky. Um, it's going to be hard to have that kind of quality and quality depth again this year. Ten words or less. Rookie, not really an option as a backup, correct? Correct. Yes. All right. Well, that was that was the shortest answer I think you've ever given. That was yes. that was good. Experience, correct. Experience is too much of a premium in yeah, this, especially with where they expect this team to and go. And plus, with a new offensive coordinator, you need another you need another veteran guy yeah. who's who's been a couple of laps around the league to to know what's going on and navigate that situation. A hundred percent agree. That will do it for this week's episode. If this is your first time listening. Thanks, and be sure to subscribe so you know when our next episode is ready on whatever podcast platform you listen to. And remember, when you need to know about the Bills, you need to check Bills by the Numbers. For Steve Tasker, I'm Chris Brown. We'll see you next week, everybody.